I'm going to speak for the next two weeks and <laughs> <laughs> just to keep you on the screen. Um, just this week and next week. And I, what's in my heart is I want us to capture something of the flavour of the New Testament church. As, as we sort of unfold out of lockdown, I think today, just before the service, people were talking and some were feeling that lockdown is happening so quickly. Um, but for most of us, it's going to be a case of sort of slowly waking up, unfolding, taking bigger and bigger steps back to what will constitute some sort of normality. And this break, in terms of us meeting together physically, gives us a great opportunity to um, re-examine, reset, readjust how we are as a community together, what our meetings look like, um, what our community life looks like. And as we do that, it would be good to look at the, the early church, the first few couple of years, maybe, of the early church. Last week, Adrian spoke about uh, simplifying our lives, both sort of generally, but also in church life. And open door as we move forward, we want to come to, we want to take this opportunity to mature into more of what God has for us as a church. And uh, we will be making some changes. Um, as we said at the family meeting, we will begin in-person meetings again on the 30th of May, when Catalyst Festival, which will be online, will be hosting a Sunday morning service. What we want to do is to basically, between May and September, slowly build up the numbers on Sunday morning. We won't be able to all gather together on Sunday morning, so we're going to have to um, have some sort of hybrid service. and We're going to work hard at making it so that everybody feels part of that and important in it. We're very aware of the many different experiences that people have had over lockdown, um, very aware of the social conditioning that many of us have sort of undergone, particularly in this last lockdown, strangely, I think. The first one was a little bit exciting and different. The second one was, oh, no, not this again. And the third one was like, oh, gosh, this is really hitting me. Um, and then there have been people that have been work, at work all the time and, you know, work has changed, but their life hasn't. So we want to look over the next two weeks at the early church. And as we do that, um, I'd encourage you over the next couple of weeks to read the first eight chapters of the book of Acts. Um, it only takes half an hour or so, it takes a couple of minutes a day for two weeks. Um, the first eight chapters of the book of Acts, see how the early church began. But as you listen this morning, I'm going to give you some homework. I would like you to think about your head and just what facts have I learned this morning? What, what didn't I know that, no, now maybe there'll be no, absolutely nothing, but what in my head, what about facts have I learned? And then in your heart, actually, how has this preach made me feel? Has it excited me? Has it depressed me? Has it put the final nail in the coffin? Has it made me want to go on world mission tomorrow? Um, so what's, what's in your heart? And then finally, your hands. What can I change 
in my life? What's been said today that I could make a change? So head, heart, hands, very easy. Um, and uh, that's just what we can look for. So I'm going to start in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, where it says this. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So this is after Jesus has been taken up into heaven. You have the resurrection, the ascension. Jesus goes up into heaven. And at this point, there's about 120 people who are called believers. Now, between the ascension and the next big event of the early church is 10 days. And on the 10th day, these 120 are gathered together in an upper room, which gives you some idea of the size of the room. And for these 10 days, they've been praying together, seeking God together, because Jesus had told them, remain in the city, that's Jerusalem, until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit the promised Holy Spirit, the one that through the Old Testament had been promised that he would come. And on the 10th day after Jesus's ascension, the Holy Spirit comes uh, on the day of Pentecost and uh, there's a, suddenly a sound like a blowing of violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So this 120 people on this day an amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Peter preaches the first sermon, the church is born, and round about 3,000 people are added to that 120. So you now have a group of just over 3,000 people who have been sort of met with God, there's been repentance, there's been 3,000 baptisms, there's been outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the, the church as we know it is born. The, the called out people of God are born. And then we move to Acts chapter 2, chapter two verse 42. And uh, I'll just read this through. They devoted themselves, the apostles teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I just sorry, I've just got just my watch. I, I recorded this sermon the first time. It took 25 minutes, and I've got to do it in less than that. <clears throat> so, reading from Acts 2:42, we have this group of 3,000 people who have got to learn to learn what it is to be a Christian what it is to have this new experience of the Holy Spirit. We know um, from the um, Peter's sermon that there were many languages of people listening to that sermon because they're all amazed, saying, how can we hear this in our own language? 
So it's a very mixed crowd, three, just over 3,000. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They met daily to listen, to learn together. And in those days, often teaching would involve discussion and question and answer. And maybe we've got something to learn there as we gather back um, into in-person meetings. But maybe we, we need that sense of discussion, question, answer, more than just like this, imparting information. But they gathered specifically daily to be with the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, I just, just wanted to be reminding you of these things, because um, obviously they're things that we know very well. Now, fellowship is that unique relationship Christians enjoy because of their being joined together in Christ. Where two or three are gathered, there am I in the middle of them. That is so often quoted when we come to a prayer meeting, partly because there aren't many people at prayer meetings. And we say, oh, well, let's encourage ourselves. Where two or three are gathered, there am I in the middle of them. But that is true when you sit down for a meal with a fellow Christian. There is Jesus. There is Jesus with you in the middle of you. Obviously, we all have the Holy Spirit. But there is a promise that when we gather together, Jesus is there in the midst of us. And it's not just at prayer meetings that he turns up with the two or three. It's as we meet in the street. It's as we meet in our homes, as we meet at a building. They gave themselves to breaking of bread. Now, um, Leslie and I have been in loads of Middle East sort of situations where you go to someone's house for a meal. And it's always very poignant that the meal begins, the food's put out on the table, meal begins most of the time when the host breaks the bread and then the, shares the bread around the table. That is just how you start the meal. Um, we've been in a whole variety of situations and countries where that is the start of the meal, the breaking of the bread. But when it says here, breaking of the bread, it is talking about breaking bread together when we remember Jesus' broken body. We remember his blood poured out for us. We, mem we remember God giving his best for our worst. And they devoted themselves to that. And again, when Adrian's talking about simplicity last week, we have often overcomplicated what it is to break bread together, to just share communion together. We quite often go into quite a sort of holy silence and we're not quite sure what to say or do. And um, I've, I myself have both done and experienced the incredible embarrassment when someone just out of the blue says, hey, let's, let's have communion together. And you're like, hey, we're just in a park, you know? <laughs> but for them, it was a very simple thing and they devoted themselves to it. That's the early church. They devoted themselves to breaking of bread and to prayer. Prayer was a huge part of the early church. And as we refresh our open door experience, as we refresh what it means to listen to teaching, to fellowship together, to breaking bread together, to prayer together, let's, try and expand, open our eyes 
to what it what God has for us as open door as he looks out across us and says look how can how can I benefit my people yet more I've put a stop to so much of church life how can we reset it so that it so that life flourishes among us we saw this in the reading but as they devoted themselves to those things there were many signs and wonders the holy spirit was healing people he was restoring people he was you know we can read through the rest of the book of acts we see demons being cast out we see people's minds being put right we put we have the lame walking the blind seeing many many signs and wonders came out of this church it was a church that was sharing stuff together it says they have they had everything in common and shared together some sold possessions they cared for one another looked after one another and as we look the question we we ask is and that's the first century how do we how do we bring this into the 21st century and one of the dangers is we read back and say well it was okay for them you know they didn't work as long hours as we did no some of them were slaves and worked probably 16 hours a day six and a half days a week i don't quite work that hard um probably susie comes close to it and uh, one or two others but most of us actually don't work that hard the one really big advantage that they had over us was they had no technology of television they had no <coughs> no <coughs> no technology of cinema i was in greenland um with visiting a church there and on a saturday night they said oh come to the church building we'll have a meal and uh, that'd be nice and we thought the two of us were there thought oh well this is what we've put on specially for us but um we turned up six o'clock everyone bought a bit of food we all ate and then someone got up on the guitar and started worshiping and then we had a bit of dessert then someone else got up then we had coffee and a couple of other people got up and we were there for four hours eating worshiping and it was so simple kids were running all over the place and uh, it was like hey this is really good oh we do this at least once a month now to be fair in greenland there's not a lot to do <laughs> um and there are no roads between towns in greenland you have to fly or go by boat and uh the boats i can assure you are very cold um the <coughs> little boats but there was part of me that just thought this is so easy and it's partly they didn't just didn't have anything else to do they were a community i think of about 200,000 um but they the next the next nearest town was probably um two hours in a boat um in the open sea so you didn't do a lot of visiting but just thought there's something about simplicity of life there um which you know we've got some stuff to learn on as i said there were many languages there they met daily at the temple and they broke bread together and ate in people's homes there was tremendous joy and excitement it says um they ate together with glad and sincere hearts people 
were saved daily. When you get to Acts chapter 4, verse 4, probably some months later, um, it says there that the, that the group had now grown to about 5,000 men. Now, the first 3,000, it just says people were saved. So there were men, women, children there. By Acts 4, it had grown so much, they started to only count the men. So you're talking maybe 10,000, 12,000 people. And if you add in the proportion of children that open door has, you're probably talking about 300,000, um, something like that. But anyway, by Acts 6, you find that the numbers are beginning to increase rapidly, but they're still meeting together. There's still, still um, people still know where they were. There were issues beginning to show up. There was a little bit of difficulty with food distribution and the apostles had to step in and say, hang on, we've got to solve this issue. And uh, we, have, we need to give ourselves to prayer. We need to give ourselves um, to the ministry of the word. Look, guys, choose seven men anointed by the spirit and they can sort this out for us. And that's what happened. I'm shooting through this very, very quickly. And I'm not justifying some of my arguments yet. I will do that next week. But I want us to glean certain things from these thoughts. Firstly, they were seen as a gathered community. They gathered daily. They gathered together. When there was an issue, they gathered. They prayed, gathering together. And it is a gathered community, a clear group of people who were separate from the rest of the world. They, um, as it grew, there was discussion about were they Jewish, were they non-Jewish sect, what group is this? But these guys were separate from the world around them because of the anointing of the Spirit. We will see next week as well. They had a clear place of meeting. They met in the temple. Um, later on, they meet in homes, they meet in other places, but they had a clear place of meeting. There was clear leadership. The apostles and prophets um, led through. Um, we'll look at that a little bit more next week. Homes played a vital part in the growth of this community. More excitingly, one of the biggest things this lot did was ate together. Eating is a huge part of Christian community. You read the life of Jesus and he is constantly eating. He does some fasting, but he's in people's homes. He's eating with people. He's multiplying food for people. When you come to the early church, they are constantly eating together. It's really funny, Leslie and I, probably through all our Christian life, have always had people eating with us. And this is the longest ever that we've eaten just on our own. But there is part of us, as part of me, certainly, Leslie's probably a little bit ahead of this, part of me is thinking, how do I get back to eating together? You know, all through lockdown, you keep thinking, oh, we must have so-and-so around. Oh, we can't. Uh, let's do that. Oh, we can't. And we're going to have to reawaken our minds and our hearts as to how we can reinstitute eating together 
in our homes and together. Prayer and Holy Spirit was central. There's great diversity in the church. There were many languages and non-Christians were drawn to this group. Daily, people were being saved. Now I'm going to expand and move on next week with some of this. But what for open door? What for us as we slowly come out of lockdown? And I do, um, Adrian, I do want to emphasize we are not going to rush out of lockdown. When it comes to May the 30th, we'll probably be able to have 30 or 40 people in the room. Um, we've got to work out how we're going to ensure we don't have a two-tier church. Those that can come, those that can't come, those that aren't quite ready to come. We want to keep a, a consistency across what we do, but we do need to begin to gather back um, as God's people. If I think Andrew Wilson, um, theologian, has said this, if the Bible is really true, then we have all suffered with lockdown because one of the things the Bible says is that we should meet together. A meeting together like this is okay, but it's not the same as being in person. So we need to look at re-establishing re our community, but we're looking to re-establish it in a deeper way, in a yet more meaningful way, in a, in a way that enables us um, to grow together even more. Um, yeah, that's so next week, that's all. So we want to be seen as a gathered community. We have a clear place of meeting. We do have a building. It's a great asset and we want to make the most of it. So we are making some changes. We'll continue to make changes. We'll continue to develop it, but it will continue to play an important part in our church life. We have leadership in the church and we want that to grow, flourish, spread. Um, we want people to feel greater anointing in God, greater authority in God to move forward in his purposes. We have homes and we want to expand the use of those homes. We want to expand the use of eating together. We believe with all our heart that God wants us to grow in prayer. He wants us to grow in the move of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to grow in diversity and he wants us to grow in seeing people being born again. We want to take this opportunity to shake some, shake some, shake some things up, refine what we're doing, deepen what we're doing, realign with God what we are doing. And I, <clears throat> I, recorded a, I recorded a first one Friday afternoon, then I recorded a second one because I had to make it much shorter. And then I came home, and I think it was then that Ginny, um, I spoke to Ginny, and she had a prophecy. And it's always worth noting what a prophet emphasizes in the first telling of a prophecy. So she said she was just reading the story of the seed that falls into the ground and dies and jesus words saying unless a seed of wheat falls into the ground and dies it doesn't grow and she says i was really taken to that and i was just thinking of open door and the way that you know we've had to close everything and there's a sense of dying 
And she said, I just felt God say, open door. It's gone into the ground and there's been a dying. But the seed that is dying contains everything for what will grow, even though what grows is looks very different to the seed. When you look at some seeds and they're just tiny little things, you think, what on earth can grow from that? But you plant it and it grows and it flourishes. The seed of wheat goes into the ground. What comes up is a multitude of seeds of wheat. And it looks very different to the seed. And she said this, she said, I feel it's fallen into the ground, but the seed contained everything contains that sense of community, the work of the spirit, the desire to see people being saved. It contained everything. But as it grows again, it will be larger. It will, will look slightly differently, despite it containing everything that was in that seed. And she said this, but it takes time to grow. You don't put a seed in the ground and the next day it's there. Um, Leslie's been working in the greenhouse and she's planted lots of seeds. And, you know, the first few, first few weeks you're looking at saying, yeah, okay, nice work, Leslie, but nothing there. But underneath, the seed is opening up. It's beginning to push through the ground and uh, it begins to show its head. And then as it grows, it flourishes. And... Uh, Ginny said this, I think this time when we've been apart is so that a fresh growth can come, that it will be larger, but it will take time. And her encouragement to us, um, to Adrian and I particularly, um, one that we agree with wholeheartedly, is let's take time about this. Let's not rush in to suddenly changing everything, suddenly reorganizing everything. Let's, let's, as we come out of lockdown as a people together, slowly move together, slowly hear from God together, slowly, but almost imperceptibly, but still let this plant push through so that come sort of September onwards, we know a new empowering of God to fulfill our destiny as open door in reaching um, Northamptonshire, in planting across Northamptonshire, in seeing multitudes come to know Jesus. We have great DNA in us as a seed, but we want that seed to now push through the ground and come to fruition. And as we Look at the early church. Let's reshape our thinking, reshape our hearts and make the most of the opportunity that God has afforded us to move forward as a New Testament church that God is with, blessing, encouraging and growing. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Let's just take a minute, I, I put it on there, just those three words that Dave uh, reminded us at the start, head, heart and hands. And uh, he was referring to Acts chapter two, head, heart and hands.
what facts, what's God spoken to our heart, and what's he calling us to do. Just make a note or capture it. I feel like it would be great to finish with a, um, a song. Tim, have you got something that would fit here? That's good. I think partly as we sing, it's also about surrender. A seed surrenders. A seed doesn't fight. Uh, it surrenders. And so we surrender. Uh, I want to pray for blessing on us uh, once we've sung the song. So, Tim, would you... That's great. Great. Um, we're going to sing um, Come Set Your Rule and Reign, Build Your Kingdom Here. Um, for this one, though, I, I mean, I, I thought we, I, let's, 